If I see anybody falling asleep, I might call Peter back in here, keep you awake. We're going through the book of 1 Peter, so I would ask you to open your device or your physical Bible. Hope you had a chance to spend some time in 1 Peter this week. I hope you can do that each week while we go through this wonderful letter written by a fish-smelling fisherman who followed the Lord and loved him and knew him face to face. What is your net worth? Do you know how much you're worth? It probably has more to do with who your parents are than who you are. Where you were born, what kind of culture, company, country your family has come from. In fact, if your parents are very wealthy, you're probably awaiting an inheritance that will bless your generations. 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 3 to 12 talks about our inheritance. For believers, birth is by faith, which is more precious than any financial transaction, any amount of gold or money or possessions that you could have. Just to review quickly, last week we talked about being elect exiles. And we are elect exiles by the foreknowledge of God the Father in the sanctification of the Spirit for obedience to Jesus Christ and sprinkling with his blood. Elect exiles chosen by God to represent him in a crazy, hell-bound world. The title for today's message is Born Again to a Living Hope. And I'd like to read 1 Peter Chapter 1, verses 3 through 12, a little bit long, but the theme is clearly one, the precious salvation that comes to those who receive Christ by faith. Let's read it, and I'm, I'm reading in the ESV, which gives you a chance, if you're in another translation, to compare translations and see clearly some of the meanings of the words here. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you, who, by God's power, are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. In this... In this salvation, you rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials, so that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Though you have not seen him, you love him. Though you do not now see him, you believe in him and rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory, obtaining the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. 
Concerning this salvation, the prophets who prophesied about the grace that was to be yours searched and inquired carefully, inquiring what person or time the Spirit of Christ in them was indicating when, it, when he predicted the sufferings of Christ and the subsequent glories. It was revealed to them that they were serving not themselves, but you, in the things that have now been announced to you through those who preached the good news to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven, things into which angels long to look. Born again to a living hope. My father was a missionary pilot in the Amazon jungle of Colombia. And in Colombia, they call a pilot Capitan. So he was Capitan Tomas. Well, it happens that they also called the, the tribal chief of an Indian village a Capitan. So when dad would arrive at one of these little Amazon villages, the Capitan would come out and sort of feel a status with this guy in his uniform. My dad wore this white shirt with stripes on it to give him that sense of, of status, right? So at first it made my dad quite uncomfortable because this guy with a bone in his nose would come right up to him about six inches away and start jabbering away in a language he didn't understand. But dad figured if he was doing it, why didn't, why didn't dad? So he would just give him a report in English of the flight and the weather and how his day's been and just talk right back to him as a, another fellow capitan. Well, one day this little ceremony was going on and the linguist standing a little bit away who understood both languages just started cackling and laughing. It turns out that my mom and dad had just had triplets. Yeah, I have brothers and sisters who are triplets. And this chief was asking my dad how to have triplets. <laughs> what did you do to have those triplets? I want to have some. And my dad said, well, tell him I didn't have anything to do with it. Well, no, don't tell him that. I did have something to do with it, but I really don't know the secret. That came to mind this week as I was studying the new birth in Christ. Because Peter says, God the Father has caused us to be reborn. What a message for Father's Day. God is our Father. He is drawing us to himself. He's drawn you here today. This morning in the first service, somebody walked in dead in their sin and walked out alive in Christ. They were born again in this place this morning. Maybe that'll happen to somebody else. Have you been born again? That's what I want us to focus on this morning. Verse 3 starts out with Peter's spontaneous declaration, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. I looked up that little phrase, and Peter probably stole it from Paul. So Paul uses that same phrase in a couple of his letters, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. And I thought, okay, I understand Father of the Lord Jesus Christ. Why does he say God of the Lord Jesus Christ? And the commentaries that I studied said, well, that's because of the dual nature of Jesus. Jesus is man, and Jesus is God. As man, God is his God. As God, God is his Father. The God and Father of this man, God, called Jesus, who becomes the only bridge, the only mediator, the only way to get to God the Father, to return to fellowship with the one who walked with our ancestors in the cool of the day. So the first test of whether you've been born again is does your soul like Peter's say, blessed 
be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ? And could you do that with irons on your feet and stripes on your back? We're going to find out that suffering is a theme all the way through this book. Peter is starting out with that great theme and he'll return to it in verse 7. I found through here that there are two categories of our new birth. We're born again and kept through certain things and to certain things. So I hope you're taking notes either in your electronic device or writing them down because we're going to look through those. Oops, this was supposed to go as I was reading. I'm glad you read your own device. Born again and kept or guarded through or by a whole list of things. So you can do this search yourself. All I did was sit up there in that office on Tuesday morning and go through this passage and say, we're born again through what? And here are those things according to this particular passage. Number one is the mercy of God. The unfathomable, eternal mercy of God. He delights to pour out his goodness when we have sinned. He delights to forgive those who confess and repent. He waits for us to run to him so that he can show us his great mercy. Ephesians 2, 1 through 10 is that great picture of dead in your trespasses and sins. And then in verse 4, Paul says, but God being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. The serpent in Eden did not mess up God's plan. Right? It set the stage for God's mercy. It allowed us to sin so that God could be shown as a merciful, forgiving Father by forgiving us through Christ. It's the mercy of God that He delights to show us that saves us from our sin. Oh, sinner, delight to confess and repent. Dive in to the fathomless depths of God the Father's mercy on you, not as a rebel. Not by continuing in your sin, but by turning from it and running to his loving father arms and saying, please forgive me, I repent. And he will love to receive you like he did the prodigal son. We're saved through his mercy. We're saved by the resurrection of Jesus. Let's look at verse 3 again. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of of Jesus Christ from the dead. Just this morning, uh, my lovely Susanna and I were reading Romans chapter 4, and we came across this phrase. He was raised for our justification. Now, I don't know the depths of the mystery of that phrase. 
I know he died for my punishment. He, he replaced me before the wrath of God. But his resurrection justifies me, which my dad taught me meant, just as if I'd never sinned. So justified means just as if I'd never sinned. Christ's new life means I, too, have a new life in him. My life is holy. It's pure. It's right before God. So as he raised to, death, to, to life from death, he raises me up to a new life, no longer I, but Christ in me. See, you don't become a good person by doing good things. You do good things when you're a good person. Do you understand the difference? You don't become good by doing good. You do good because you are good. And Jesus makes you good in his life in you. See, he wants to plant his Holy Spirit down inside of your motivation so that you want to do good, so that good comes bubbling up out of you, not because of your flesh, but because of God's Holy Spirit in you, making you a new creature, born again through the resurrection of Jesus Christ right there in your body. We're born again by God's power. It's God's power that raises us from the dead. It's not our effort. We're not born by works. We're born for works. But verse 5 says, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. Truly saved human beings, don't stop hoping. Don't stop believing. If you maintain your faith to the end, you will be saved. See, our full sanctification and salvation will be revealed when Jesus appears. We will be like him because we will see him as he is. Don't give up, Christian. Don't be discouraged by your present struggle with sin. God is giving you progressive sanctification. You've been justified by Christ and you're being sanctified to become more and more like him by God's power which guards you along the way. John 1.12 To all who received him, who believed on his name, he gave the right, the authority, the power to become sons and daughters of God. Is everyone a child of God? No, sir. It's a good question for your Uber driver, by the way. Ask him, is everyone a child of God? He'll probably say yes or she. And you say, wait, is a murderer a child of God? And then they're going to start feeling like they're on thin ice. Well, what about a gossip? What about, a, what about somebody who only thinks about themselves? Are they a child of God too? And you'll start opening their eyes to the fact that not everyone is a child of God. Only those who have been born of God are children of God. You must be born again. My friend, you're fooling yourself if you think by coming to Calvary International Church you're going to go to heaven. That's not how you get there. You can memorize the whole Bible. Do right stuff. And not go to heaven because you have not been born of the Spirit and of water by faith through God's grace and mercy. You have to be born twice. See, you have to have two birthdays. Maybe you don't know what the second one is. Some people know, some people don't. Because you don't remember when you were born of your mom, right? She had to tell you. You have to be born again. 
And it's God's power that guards us and gives us the right to be sons and daughters of God. But then you noticed in verse 5, there's another thing that we're born through, guarded through. Guarded through faith, kept by faith, born again by faith. And Ephesians 2 assures us that this is not of ourselves. It's not working it up. It's from God. It's a gift of God. So we need to be like that man who had a sick son and said to Jesus, I believe, help my unbelief. See, we're all growing in faith. We're all increasing in confidence, in longevity. How long can you pray for the same thing without receiving it and still believe that God hears your prayers and will answer when the fullness of time has come? That's a good test of your faith. A thousand years is like a day for God. Don't lose patience. Don't lose faith. We're kept. We're guarded by faith, which is a gift of God. And then there's one more. And that comes right at the very end in verse 12 when it says, The prophets realized that they were not serving themselves but you in the things that they had now been announced. That's why we read Isaiah 53 this morning. That was written 700 years before Jesus' suffering. And Isaiah knew that the Messiah would suffer. And that's the gospel that Paul preached to the Jews. All he had was the prophets and the law. And he preached Christ's sufferings and his atonement for sin through the prophets. But it says that they were referring uh, now that, 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 that to the things that have now been announced to you, verse 12, through those who preach the good news to you. Through preaching of the good... It's not there. Oh, all right. So, through preaching of the good news, we hear the gospel, we believe it, and we are born again. Now, believer, has the good news come out of your mouth this week? I hope it has to your children. I hope you preach it to your husband or your wife. But I hope you preach it to other people as the Lord gives you opportunity and open doors. The announcement of the good news that the door of heaven is open, that Jesus' sacrifice covers your sin. You don't have to pay for your sins. He has purchased you, and all you need to do is trust him. Believe in his goodness and mercy. Repent of your sin. Trade your ruined life with his new life and become a child of God. The announcement of the good news produces faith, which then causes new birth. So we're saved through these things. We're saved to a few things too. Verse 3, we have been born again to a living hope. A living hope. I've been spending time with that phrase this week. I think this is what got caught in my, my throat this week of what is living hope? I know what hope is, right? You hope for your Christmas presents. You hope for your honeymoon. You hope for your retirement. Maybe you hope for the weekend if your life is especially tough. That's hope. But see, all those hopes end when you get what you are hoping for. Or maybe they disappoint. This is a different hope. This is a hope in Christ, the living one whose life is indestructible. We have hope because we have been born into it. A living hope is a growing hope. Let me ask you, do you hope in Christ more or less than you did last year? Maybe last week. 
Is your hope in Christ growing? Living hope is a resilient hope. It's a hope that can get beat up and keep smiling. It's a hope that doesn't get extinguished by difficulties. And finally, a living hope is a fruitful hope. It's a hope that bears fruit. Are other people more hopeful because you have hope? Are you able to spread hope in a hopeless, despairing world? Do you know there's a pandemic of anxiety and depression going on? Far worse than COVID or cancer or any other of the pandemics that we talk about. I talked to an elementary school teacher from Campinas this week. And she said that three times since July, children from her elementary class have been taken away in ambulances because they had panic attacks. Children are suffering anxiety and depression, much less older people who start knowing how hard life is. We're all being attacked by it. Despair is everywhere. Anxiety about the present or the future. We have the antidote. We have the antivirus of anxiety. It's living hope in Christ who has defeated all of our enemies and is seated at the right hand of God. And we are alive in Him. We are born to living hope. Romans 4, again, Romans 4, 18. Make a note of that by living hope. Abraham, 100-year-old Abraham, husband of a barren wife, in Against all hope, in hope, believed. I love that phrase. Against all hope. God made every possible barrier as high as he could possibly make it. All right, let's give him a barren wife, and then let's, let's have them get to be 90 and 100 and see if he still believes my promise. Abraham, against all hope, in hope, believed. That's living hope. We're born to a living hope. We're born to an inheritance. We're born into an inheritance. You don't have to work to get an inheritance. You have an inheritance because you have the right daddy. And if you've been born again in Christ by the Holy Spirit, you have the richest daddy in the universe. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it. We have an inheritance through as sons of, the, of Abraham. Here's Romans 4 once again. The promise to Abraham and his offspring that he would be heir of the world did not come through the law, but through the righteousness of faith. Heirs of the world. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Don't worry, my friend. It's all God's, and we're his kids. Don't worry. Don't scrap for the last penny. Give generously like your Father in heaven does, knowing that your inheritance is beyond what you can imagine. Most possibly, and this helps me not to get too ooh, ephemeral, it's land. It's land. The promise to Abraham was land. Did he get land? Just enough to bury his wife. And Hebrews said he didn't get the promises because God would fulfill them with us. When all those kids, the number of stars in heaven and sand on the seashore are together, then God would say, now remember that promise I gave to Abraham? Here you go, kids. It's the place that Jesus went to prepare for us. 
I'm not sure where that is or when it's going to happen, but I know it's true. And it's way more real than we imagine and way more rich than we have dreamed. We are born into an inheritance. It's an imperishable inheritance. It's an undefiled inheritance. There's no taxes. There's no robbery. It's all ours because it's just in God's full sovereignty and ownership. Imperishable, undefiled, unfading, and kept in heaven for us. Nothing's going to take it away. Stop fretting. Let's not worry. Lay up treasure for yourself in heaven because nothing's going to spoil it in Christ. If you are born of the Father. Now we're, we're born to some other things. If for a little while, he says, if necessary, this is verse 6, in this you rejoice in what? In our inheritance, in our living hope, in our new birth, in our Father uh, being God's kids. In this you rejoice, though now for a little while, And then I love the phrase, if necessary. Do you know your trials are necessary? I started thinking this week about what what is an accident? If God is sovereign, what is an accident? Do they exist? Is it really real? I, I actually started thinking that because I didn't use my turn signal. And a motorcycle ran into my car. Because I slowed down without a turn signal, and he thought I was just slowing down, and went to pass me, and I turned, and he hit me. And it wasn't just any motorcycle, it was a brand new BMW. And I sat in my car and wondered what an accident was. And I was studying this passage about temporary, necessary trials. And I tried to argue about the line being a double solid line and he shouldn't be passing a car when there's a... And the Holy Spirit kept saying, you know, just bless him. So I can tell you exactly how much it costs to fix a BMW. (laughs) Then I was fixing our bathroom, fixing it up for Susanna who was arriving from the U.S. And I thought, oh, I'm going to make the shower nice and I'll install a... Finally install one of those... uh, tempered glass shelves in the corner, you know, where you put your shampoo so it doesn't have to fall all around. And and I was on my last hole, and I hit the water pipe. And I thought, what is an accident? And I'm holding my finger on the old faithful geyser in our bathroom and trying to tell Lillian where the valve was to turn off the water. And thinking, why, Lord, I was going to impress my wife with my ability to install this shelf. She is not impressed. We still can't flush our toilet. Necessary trials. Kick out. You know those, what do you call it, Glenn, that holds up a lodging? The pieces of eucalyptus, escora? Escoramento. You know what escoramento is? So they make a concrete ceiling and they put all these wooden posts, temporary wooden posts. And they stay there for a long time so that the ceiling doesn't fall down. God keeps kicking those out from my hope, saying, don't depend on your money. Here, let me take some. 
Don't depend on your masculine ability to install shelves, right? Don't depend on your health, your strength, your intelligence, your position, your title. Don't depend on anything. Just trust me and have a living hope in your inheritance kept for you in heaven. And do what I say. Living hope means you have necessary, temporary, praise God, they're temporary, right? Trials make your faith more precious, more pure, only trusting God, his promises and his commands for your living hope. We're moving towards the end. We are saved to joy in grief and trials. You rejoice. You want to test whether you're born again? See if you can rejoice with tears running down your face. Jesus wept at the tomb of Lazarus. Tomb of Lazarus. He knew how to cry with those who cried. But inside, he, was, he couldn't wait for the fullness of time. And in that story, it only took about two minutes before he said, Lazarus, come forth. And there was resurrection. And that's what's happening to us. We weep for a night, but joy comes in the morning. And you have to have hope in the dark. You have to have a song with tears running down your eyes and say like Job, though you slay me, yet will I trust you. That's the, that's the test. That's the glory of God that we can rejoice in our grief, in our suffering. Verse 8. Though you have not seen him, you love him. Though you do not see him now, you believe in him and rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory. You know why it's inexpressible? Because it doesn't make sense. There's nothing to say. You just say, I know Jesus loves me, and it doesn't matter what happens. I will keep knowing that, and I don't know why. I can't explain it. That's why people, and later on Peter, Peter will say, be ready to give an answer for the hope that's in you. Why do you need to be ready? Because they're going to ask you, dude, your wife left you. Why are you happy? Well, <laughs> that's not a very good example. Let's say you lost your job, you don't have any money, and you're still singing praises and going to church and believing in God. See, if my wife left me, I would just be in shambles. There's no reason for this living hope except the promise of God. The invisible presence of the Holy One around you. You don't see Him. You don't hear His voice. But you know He is real and true. And you trust Him beyond every other thing in the world. You're saved to faith. Romans 1.17 says, From faith for faith you are kept by growing confidence in what cannot be seen or tested. It's your very faith that gets tested and proved. I will still believe. Was it Haggai that says when, or is it Habakkuk? I can't remember which one, but when all of the 
stalls are empty, I will still rejoice and give thanks. It's not by sight. It's not because you hear a voice or have a vision or see anything that you believe. It's because you trust the Word of God and the Spirit in your soul and you rejoice illogically. But then we have the ultimate purpose. And this is repeated in verse 3 and verse 7. We talked about blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. And then again in verse 7, Peter says, For the ultimate purpose, so that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. The ultimate purpose is so that God can be seen as the great sovereign authority that he is who drew you in to do what you do not want to do for love of the one you do not see. That's a miracle. Only by faith. Only in the hope that he can give you. Ephesians 1.12 says that we might be to the praise of his glory. There's the announcement of the good news. It's on the wrong uh, list. That's supposed to go up through the announcement of the good news. But it's also too. And our ultimate purpose is blessing and praise and honor of God at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Now, I want to do a quick exercise with you. And you can uh, do this yourself again in the passage. But... There are some things that have happened in the past for the believer. There are some things that are promised in the future. And if you hold on to those things, you will have the right attitude in the present. So we're going to look at the past first, then at the future. This is all out of this one passage so that we can know how to live in the present. In the past, God's great mercy is unfathomable, eternal, past, present, and future, actually. But because of his great mercy, he caused us to be born again through the raising of Jesus from the dead. That is a fact. It's a hist historical uh, data point that happened in the past. And God caused us, if we have been born again, he caused us to be reborn. I don't know. Maybe some of you haven't. Maybe that's still in the future. Hopefully it'll be past when the service is done. The prophets predicted Christ's suffering. We read Isaiah 53 this morning and his subsequent glory. They searched and inquired carefully, and angels have longed to look into this mystery for all eternity. Angels wonder why God messed up the Garden of Eden. I've wondered that myself. But I've found the answer in God's mercy and reconciliation. All right, future. In the future, we have an inheritance in heaven. It's imperishable, unfading, undefiled, and kept for us. Salvation will be fully revealed. You know what? You may not like your fellow Calvary members, but at the revelation of Jesus Christ, they're going to be amazing. You're going to say, wow, you're just like Jesus. Because we will be seen for who we are in Christ when he is revealed. And then finally, blessing and praise and honor to God at the revelation of Jesus Christ if your faith continues to the end, if you are truly part of his family and he is growing in you that undying faith, then you will produce that praise and honor to God. So if you trust that past reality, believe that future promise, you will live in the present saying, blessed be God. Can I hear you say that? Okay, that's good practice. I want to hear you say it this week. Well, I won't hear you, but God will. 
you have a living hope. Live in hope. Rejoice in hope. Not by what you see, not by what you feel, but by what he says because of the living hope that we have. We are guarded by God's power through the shield of faith. He gives us faith that guards that hope. We are exiles who rejoice even in suffering. Exiles don't have much, but they rejoice even when it's hard. We're grieved by necessary, temporary, and various trials. But our genuine faith gets tested and purified by those trials. We love him but don't see him. We believe in him even when we don't see him. And we're obtaining that salvation that will then be revealed into the future. It's progressive, right? I hope you're having more victory over your temptations. I rejoice every time I sense that in my own, my own life. Rejoice with inexpressible joy even in your trials because the good news is preached in the power of the Holy Spirit. That's our present reality. Let's bring this to a conclusion. What is your hope in today? The psalmist says, Deliver my soul, O Lord, from men of the world whose portion is in this life. Don't hope in riches. They just fly away. Don't hope in anything but the Lord Jesus who can give you living, undying hope. How is your hope? In order to have it, you must be born again. I, I've taken longer than I wanted, but I do want to read Romans 3, 20 to 25, because if you're not born again this morning, this is where it happens. Romans 3, 20 to 25 by works of the law, no human being will be justified in his sight. Since through the law comes knowledge of sin, I hope you have that knowledge of sin this morning by his mercy. The righteousness of God through faith is that, but now the righteousness of God has been manifested apart from the law. Although the law and the prophets bear witness to it, the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe. For there's no distinction. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified by His grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. Oh, believe it. Whom God put forward as a propitiation by His blood to be received by faith. You can receive Christ by faith. Believe in his name and you will be saved. Don't trust your goodness. It's not enough. It'll never be. Turn your life over to the Lord and he will cause you to be born again into this living hope. How's your faith? Romans 12, 3 says, measure your value by how much faith God has given you. How's your faith? Has it been weakened by COVID? Bolster it. Cry out to God for more faith. Faith comes from hearing the word of Christ. I'm so glad you're here this morning on Father's Day to hear his word proclaimed. It's more precious than gold that perishes. That's why God makes you repair BMWs. Because he wants you to know that your faith is worth more than the money in the bank. Do you depend on what you see in order to rejoice? Do you believe that hardship produces purifies your faith. And finally, how's your praise? 
How's your praise? Can you say, blessed be God, no matter what happens? Everything will result in praise and honor and glory to God when Jesus comes, either by just punishment for faithlessness or by justification and sanctification through Christ for joyful inheritance by faith. Stand up with me and let's pray. Father God, you are the ultimate Father. You have caused us to be born again into this living hope and an inheritance that's kept in your presence for us. I cry out to you right now in Jesus' name with all of your children around me agreeing in prayer that you would press in to those who have not yet given their lives to you, not, le- not yet laid down their vain efforts to be good, And said, Lord, save me. I belong to you. Cause them to be born again into this living hope too. Forgive us for not living in hope. For not proclaiming our faith in you no matter what. Make us a demonstration of your power. By rejoicing when it doesn't make sense. And we will give you all the glory and honor. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.